Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to episode number one of the What Do You Do podcast, uh, brought to you by The Joe Show, myself, Joe Malone, and our opening inaugural guest, you guys are uh, busting the seal on this podcast idea, Jake Peterson, Justin Paulson, Wolf Dogs Comedy, Um, What Do You Do? We, we are stand-up comedians. Yeah. I guess Wolf Dogs Comedy kind of gave that away. Yeah, well, it yeah, could be. You know, there's a lot of ways to be funny, but we like to do it on stage with a microphone. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, a micro, You know, being in front of a microphone, I find, um, is is almost like a truth serum. Sure. At times. Yeah. And do you find that when when you're doing? Because um, I know you guys a lot through open mics, and you know, you'll get mm-hmm. on and and just kind of talk about your day. That's what I do on the radio show, and and you find yourself saying things that maybe you wouldn't say. To someone in a casual conversation, oh, but yeah. I've oh, got this yeah. mic here, so let <laughs> me just so. tell you a little bit about what my day was like. It's definitely right. more of a stream of consciousness kind of thing. I think that's one of the beautiful things about it is not only are you up there saying the things that maybe you think but normally wouldn't say in a normal situation, but you're also saying the things that the people in the audience wish they could say, and by hearing it, it opens up the floodgate to, oh, mm-hmm. I can laugh at that now because he said it, so... That's all, you know what I mean? That's a lot of like, so I, I like a lot of self deprecating humor. If I can make fun of myself, I can make fun of anything. And people are thinking, like, yeah, you're right, he is fat and bald. I guess I can laugh <laughs> at that now. So, and that's genuinely the icebreaker. Like, you, yeah, you have a bit in the, your act that in the, sort of the beginning parts that's real self deprecating and it draws a big laugh. And it's always usually the icebreaker, and then it's just like. Boom, 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 sure, boom. Yeah. After that. Yep. It's uh you can it's usually anything goes. And that's kinda cool. <laughs> Let's go back to before the beginning, before you guys got on stage for the first time. When when did you first find out about stand up? When did you first um kind of start to like it, fall in love with it? Uh, you know, it became a, a thing in your world. Yeah, my parents uh in the early eighties would gather when there was an HBO special. And those were usually uh, George Carlin, uh, Rodney Dangerfield would do one every once in a while, people like Louis Anderson, uh, Richard Pryor, of course. And they would have like make a party out of it. And sometimes we had to stay in our rooms, but sometimes we could listen to it. And Sneak then, down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, with vinyl, especially in cassettes, you could listen to it. There was also <clears throat> um, Evening at the Improv on A&E. Late on Sunday mm. nights, uh, HBO would loop the HBO One Night Stands on New Year's Eve. So year after year, I had fresh content of every year's HBO One Night Stands. So I I just and was enveloped in it, but uh, didn't have the guts to do it till later on in life. I don't think I would have been able to handle the emotional uh, swings, everything off stage at a young age. I think for me... Uh Jake's got a few years on me, so the 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 act and or the the I guess the industry, if you will, um, had changed a little bit at that point with Comedy Central and stuff. Um, and I started watching like a lot of the half hour Comedy Central specials and just watching all kinds of these different people. And I think any comic will probably tell you that 
they've had people in their life be like, you're really funny. You know, you should try, you know, if you can joke with your buddies and keep your friends laughing, they're usually like, you know, you should, you should be a comedian. And it's usually something you brush off, especially living in North Iowa. And for Jake, he just jumped into it. I was lucky enough to, it's, I was always something I wanted to try. I studied it. I was into it. I'd even written jokes that I thought if I ever do try it, you know, these jokes, maybe I'll do. And, uh, Finally, I realized I'd, I'd known Jake from playing music. We'd been in different bands playing together, and I saw that he was doing comedy, and I reached out to him on Facebook and said, hey, you know, this is something I've thought about doing. You know, how does one try comedy? And he said, well, I got a show in two weeks. Come open for me. He said, that's the only way to know. <laughs> Both feet. And uh, I yeah. thought, okay, and I thought, I wanted the first time to be to strangers because I thought, so I didn't tell anybody, and he was the only one that knew, and my wife, obviously, but... I didn't tell anyone because I thought if I could make a room full of strangers that didn't know me and didn't know it was my first time doing it laugh, then maybe it was something to pursue. And uh, I'd say it was about 40, 50 people. It was the night before mm-hmm. New Year's Eve a couple years ago, and I made the room laugh, and I loved it, and I was hooked. And now we travel all over the Midwest together, and it's it's been pretty crazy a couple of years. So you both um, were in bands, and did that help with the uh, getting on stage by yeah. yourself? aspect helped, of comedy it helped immensely in that um i thought there's nothing worse than being in a band and playing like a real high energy song to literally nobody <laughs> <laughs> that, all right everybody <laughs> yeah and you're like Crickets. really like just kind of getting into it bobbing your head and dancing around and waving and stuff and you look out and there's people that's trying to yell over you their drink order to the bar that Sambuca. There, there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> Three tequilas over so here. So it also helped with uh, sh- uh, like the marketing aspect of it and trying to get new shows because messaging places and advertising our show to them. Are you interested? We're also used to rejection, and that oh. and that's a big part of it it's too. In, yeah, I was gonna say it's very interesting for us because living in where we do in Mason City, Iowa, we're two hours from any comedy club. And the only way to get into a comedy club is to show up to their open mic over and over and over and pay your dues and, and really put the time in. And living two hours away, we can't really do that. So I think that's the old way of doing it. And a lot of old school comedians will tell you that's the way to do it. But now with the internet and with people self-promoting, it's there's a whole new – they call it alt comedy. But I think it's just another way to do things where – Instead of just going to the same comedy club and really trying to work your way in, we make our own opportunities. We email 100 bars all over the Midwest, and maybe 10 will message us back, and maybe four of them will book us. Um, but that's four shows. Um, we talked to bar locally into doing an open mic, which is awesome because now other people can try it and see if they're into it. And you know, If you have 10 people try it and one person's into it, they might end up being a great comic, and to have help foster that's a pretty cool thing too. So. Absolutely. Is there a comic that was uh, the first one you saw that you just latched onto? Like, this person is funny. Like, this guy makes me laugh. Or gal, bar none. Um, For me, it was, as a child, it was Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, I got to stay up late when he was on Johnny Carson. So that was a big deal to me. Later on in life, I would have to say either Dave Chappelle or Norm MacDonald. It's my Mm go-to. I'd say Dave Chappelle's one of the first guys that made me laugh to where I, you know, couldn't breathe. I was getting, you know, where you get concerned that you're, that you're going <laughs> to suffocate. Yeah. Uh, I'd say he was one of the, he's one of those guys that just, some people are just naturally funny. Like they don't even have to try. And I think he's one of those dudes. So I'd probably say Dave Chappelle for me. Do you ever try and write jokes in that style? Or is that just something like, 
I love what he does, but that's not what I'm going to do. Uh, it has to sound like you, you know, you, 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 that's something you learn from a guy like yeah. that. I think the best comics are themselves amped up yeah. to 11, you know, um, some comedians are joke punchline, joke punchline. Um, me and Jake are both kind of the comics where we like to tell a story, several jokes throughout the story. So when I write, um, and by writing, I, I usually just think of it in my head and kind of work it out and work it out. Um, but I'll, I'll think of an idea, something I want to talk about and kind of have an idea where I want to get and how I get there. It could take a week. It could take a month, but, and that's the beauty of it. You can work it out. And then maybe next time you had like another two minutes to it because you thought of some more stuff and 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 you can move the punchline all the time when you try out new bits and every new audience is uh reacts differently to things so what a joke that works at a certain place may not work at another place so you kind of have to bail and segue into something else and to try to gauge the temperature of the room to see if that makes them laugh and usually by the end of the set we we have them Eating out of the palm of our hand. <laughs> Fish in a barrel. <laughs> now, when it comes to uh, doing stand-up comedy, um, Jake, you said you've been at it for four years? Uh, just it'll, In May, it'll be four years. Okay, so. just in just about uh, two just, years. Just past two in December. So When when did it feel like, um, you know, this this is going good? This is this is something that's, that's working. Are you there yet? Um, we're always trying to get better that's the that's the beauty of it you know um i know that in the year that this is the third year i know that i know things that i wish i would have known in my second year and i know justin's a much better comic now than he was when he started and it's been a fun ride knowing that we can get better but the funny thing is is just him and i'll bounce jokes off each other and if we can make each other laugh it's like that's the true audience right there. I think that was for me as far as the question of when we knew we had we were on to something was like I didn't want to I was hoping you'd say it, but I'll I'll <laughs> I'll toot my own horn a little bit. Uh yeah. for the first like year and a half he did comedy, it was just like I'm gonna go find some places that'll let me do comedy. And it was like he would get on stage cold with no MC, no opener, no warm up, and just be like, All right, I'm the comedian, here's some jokes. And that is <laughs> yeah. super hard to do. Yep. Um, I think once I started doing it and after about a month or two and got some shows mm. under my belt and proved that I was competent enough, uh, I think the duo of us doing a show is made it so much stronger because I, I didn't have to tell three jokes to make them believe I wasn't selling insurance. <laughs> right. And like, uh, yeah, the fish is good. Seriously. Get off yeah. stage. <laughs> and that's, what's cool about what we do too is, um, we're a turnkey operation. We got, you know, the two of us can go do a show and give a full night of entertainment. There's also always room to bring a third as like a warm up or an MC. We have our own sound. We have our own everything. So like bars that a lot of places we do aren't your traditional places. We do small bars, campgrounds, breweries. Been to a campground show. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. did one with us. Yeah, yeah we threw you on one of that those. That was uh, that was interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it's really you know if you can handle weird shows like that when you get the good ones where people are there and they want to laugh it's like target practice at that point. It's also to the point where you know you're very mobile, and that I always thought like the campground near us that we did a show at uh there's tubers floating by and i thought it would be a neat idea to set up a little comedy show as they float by and you're <laughs> well, you on shore a little bit tell the same joke probably the same joke. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this guy here yeah just roast them as they go oh how fun would that be <laughs> are you sure you need a tube sir you seem to be floating rather fine <laughs> I, don't know what exactly. I don't know if i had too many beers on the river but i'm pretty sure that guy had a microphone was making fun of me as i floated by I don't know. 
Now, um, how do you how do you know that a, um, a room is working and a room isn't working, and how do you adapt? There's, I mean, do you just power through it? Like this is my set list. I'm going. And one one thing that uh, I'll shout, uh, Bill Blank taught us is that sometimes silence is as good as laughter, is because if you take a beat and just go silent for a second, and comedians will that take that time to usually take a drink or whatever but they're they're doing that for a reason they're doing that because if you're silent that means you're paying attention and that's as good as laughter sometimes a joke once it simmers for a few seconds in somebody's head uh and i think yeah yeah um but there's uh, different versions of it too like there's we've had rooms where there's you're going into a bar where there's no cover and they're there to drink and be wild and you're trying to do a comedy show and they have no interest in that and they just talk over you that's almost impossible to overcome at that point you just shovel through and hope the check clears but then there's sometimes with certain jokes you'll feel a physical drawback of the room where they might laugh and it's so hard to predict because sometimes they'll laugh at something that you think is kind of edgy you know or, or you know on the filthier side and they'll laugh at it, but then you'll do something that might be kind of in the same vein, but slightly different. And they're all like, Ooh, Ooh I wouldn't like, say you that. can sometimes feel nah. it as a whole room sometimes. And that's interesting because the thing about comedy is, is I think it's a, a place where it's the weirdest time ever to be a comedian with the things that are going on and how offended most people are by most things triggered and very triggered. And, uh, that's the thing about comedy is, uh, it's not sorry. So I don't apologize for it usually. And, uh, um, if if you're easily offended, maybe comedy's not for you. That's the beauty of entertainment. You don't. No one's forcing you to listen to a show. But it's nice to be able to talk about the random things that, you know, like it takes the power out of bad things. I think to be able to laugh at it. Um, but also as a comedian, I find myself with a musician background of crafting my set like a set list. You this know, leads every, into this. Leads into yeah, this. Leads into this. I don't know how you guys are, but I I kind of pride myself on when I go to see a band, I can guess the first song that they're gonna play, and you craft your your set list on an ebb and flow, and you try to um like when you go into a place that you've never been before, maybe start off a little slow, mm-hmm. and warm up, and then go and, and see what the see the reaction and kind of especially surf when that you wave. start to get into like headlining and feature acts where like. You know, at the open mic, we usually do anywhere from like five to ten minutes, and you got like a forty-five minute set ahead of you. It's good to pace yourself and really just kind of take in the room and realize that you're not in a hurry at all. So you don't need uh, to speed through this. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, I found that sometimes watching old videos is a little cringy because I like I'm I don't I don't cuss a whole lot in my act. I, I use it for punctuation, I would say. But my very first time, I think like. I was dropping so many f bombs as like a it was like a nervous tick, and like yeah. I go back F-bomb. and I watch Period. it, yeah, and it yeah. was absurd. It was like replacing the and n, and it was just like I've had people be like, "Oh, he swears a lot." It's like I don't anymore. I got a hang, I got a handle on that now, so it's it's all right. But you just and that's the things. Every time you do it, you grow a little bit. You learn something. You figure out you know things you want to work on, different things, timing, who you want to be, what you want to talk about, and. I want to ask about writing a joke. Uh, Justin, you were talking about how sometimes you may work on something for a week, work on it for a mm-hmm. month, you know, take different twists and turns, add stuff, take away from stuff. Is a joke ever done? No. I don't think it has to be no. at all. Like, this is the joke. This is how yeah. it begins. This is the middle. This is the end. That's like um, if you see Eric Clapton play, he's not going to play Crossroads 100 miles an hour like he used to with <laughs> Cream. He's very slowed down and... 
and your joke evolves. It's just like any other art form. I think it, it lives and breathes. And so it will change. And there's things that you, you're not on autopilot when you're up there, you know, you, you're, you're constantly judging Sometimes things. you think of stuff on the spot. I've been yeah. on stage where I'm doing a bit that I've done a hundred times and either something in the room or just a thought that maybe randomly pops into my head and makes me come up with something super clever and then it becomes part of the joke. And then Is it okay to laugh at your joke if, if you say something on the spot? Because I know at open mic, um, I was talking about the White Castle Challenge. That was not planned right. as part of my bits, yeah. and uh, it made me laugh. Is that unprofessional? I noticed that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think so. No, um, not at all. There are comics that use that excessively to try to like trick people into thinking they're I'm funnier funny. than they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it's gen- you can tell if it's genuine or not. Like If you get a giggle off one of your own jokes, it's funny. It's going to happen. Um, and I've seen like guys like Kevin Hart that do stadiums will, will giggle at their own stuff from time to time. But so I think there's a line. I think if I wouldn't say you were good, I would say, but I've seen comics that laugh way too much at their own well, stuff. For it's sure. organic and genuine too. It wasn't mm-hmm. forced laugh. Like you were just trying to start the room, you know, was, <laughs> like starting a lawnmower. Funny. You know, you had to pull it, it a few times before funny. it goes. <laughs> now, when it comes to writing a joke, do you, do you have a, a plan? Like, um, from seven to nine on Thursday nights, I'm going to write jokes. You have to write them as they come. That's yeah, I think we're always on the process. clock in that way. Okay. Um, I and again, I should write things more than I do. I'm such a like in my head kind of comic, but I try to keep a notebook with me because there's so many things I've thought of, or like you're you know you're hanging out and talking, mm-hmm. and you come up with something. You're like that would make such a great bit. And then you don't write it down. And then literally like a day later, you're like, what were we talking about yesterday that had us laughing super hard? I don't, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and then it's just gone in the ether somewhere. But So it's definitely good to write ideas down and come back to them. Uh, little chicken scratch notes here and there I think helps. I sure. have them written on my phone. And um, it's like I'll, I'll have like a, and I have this folder called routine open mic. And uh, I have like a set list of things like, uh, press conference for other jobs. I thought it'd be funny to have like how uh, it's so contrived how athletes speak at press conferences that I think you could transfer that well to like the fast food industry <laughs> and other jobs. What, what happened in the drive-thru today, Jim? Well, <laughs> well you know, we gave it our best. <laughs> gave it our best. Um, you know, our manager called Good Place, tried to get every order without within uh, 60 seconds. Sometimes we were able to do that, sometimes we weren't. I don't know. We'll just go home, watch the tape. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> just go to work and just do our thing. Is the ice cream machine ever going to be fixed? <laughs> uh, we're working on that. Like I said, you know, that's out of my control. All I can do is try to put my headset on one day at a time. Uh, <laughs> just be better. Just uh, getting the orders out, uh, counting the change, and you know, kind of doing my thing. Yeah, uh, on to wake on wake up Wednesday. Just on to wake up Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> just got just got to give all the glory to, to the guy upstairs and. <laughs> and to the golden arches we didn't run out of cheese so <laughs> now um when you pull your phone out like let's say that you and justin or me and you or, or you and your wife are having a conversation maybe you're at dinner you're out eating yeah. somewhere and you pull out your phone and you start giggling to yourself and typing yeah. in there does it make people self-conscious <clears throat> do you do that um i you'll have relatives Justin and i both have had relatives like that are very self-conscious what they say around us because they know it's, they're petrified am i gonna end up in your act if you're Am lucky, gonna, yeah, if you're exactly. <laughs> they go from that to like, why don't you write a joke about me? Yeah, my mom was offended for like a year. She's like, you don't have a single joke about me. I raised you. How do you not have anything funny to say about me? I go, you want me to make fun of you in front of people? Well, yeah, that's. I was hoping you would. I'm like, well, 
So I wrote a joke about her, and then she kind of took it back, I think. So, <laughs> you know, careful what you wish for kind of thing. Yeah. But. She just wants some of that funny money. If one of those right, jokes takes exactly. off, you get your HBO yeah, special, you're on there written. talking about your mom. She's like, exactly. mommy needs to do she shed. That <laughs> joke's about me. <laughs> the funny thing is when we started, we wanted to get like each a half hour of material. And then I ended up like before Justin really... And I started really going. I ended up with 45 minutes an hour. He ended he ended up starting off with about 30 minutes. So what you do is you just kind of add and subtract jokes from your act that kind of, you know, duds. And then you, you, you your set kind of builds itself. And then you also have, like, if you run into a crowd that's like, oh, this type of humor is really going over. I have a roll of decks of jokes that weren't in my set list that I'm just going to pound this crowd with because I know they'll love it. Okay, and that and that 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 comes with just practicing and knowing what's going to work over and over sure. and over again. Mm-hmm. Do, you, yeah. do you ever get sick of telling a joke, but it's a good joke? No. Uh, and the funny thing is, is like we hear each other's jokes all the time, and I still laugh at his jokes, and he still laughs. What's kind of cool too about it is uh, a lot of like with music, you go see a band because you've heard their music a hundred times, and you want to hear that song live. You want to see a comedian whose jokes you've never heard because every time you hear a joke, it's going to get a little less funny every time, just naturally, because you there's no more surprise to it, and you know all those the elements are gone. Return. But for us, what's nice is, you know, we have stuff that we've done locally for two years where we wouldn't dare to charge people to hear us do it at home anymore. But then you go somewhere 60 miles away to a crowd of complete strangers, and now all of a sudden those are brand new jokes. And not only are they brand new jokes, but they're tried and true and tested, and you know that you can deliver them exactly how they need to be delivered. And that's when you know, like, this is going to be good because I can do the greatest hits. You know, I don't have to work on the new stuff. I can. can do I- you ever look for your uh, you might be a redneck if moment? <laughs> I mean, is is that is that a goal in joke writing? Is where you find something that you could end up with on T-shirts, and you could I think so. Marketability is definitely that. important. I think Jeff Foxworthy was funny way before the redneck stuff. I think that just the redneck humor just kind of uh, gave him a spotlight. He's genuinely like whether you you know are a southern type of uh, comedian or not, he's brilliant. I think he's very funny, and but you do want that kind of people to notice how funny you are, and if it takes like uh, a shucky ducky quack quack kind of thing, or, <laughs> we're not above it in any way. Know, like no. Well, I was I was thinking about that. All of those guys, the blue color comedy tour, they all had a slogan sure. that fits on a hat. Yeah. You might be a redneck if get her done. Here's your sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, is is that something that um, that would happen naturally for you, or would you try and write I towards that? I think it has to happen naturally. Like you can have the idea in the back of your head. Like I actually have one that I've kind of been tossing around as a bit that I do. And I uh, I grew up in Mason City. I've lived here my whole life, and I grew up on the north end of Mason City. And I'm not saying that the north end's a bad neighborhood, but if Mason City had a bad neighborhood, people would probably say it's the north end. And uh, it's just kind of interesting because I live like on the edge, and I consider it like. It's like when you're on the outside of a mosh pit, like you can see the craziness without getting swung on. It's kind of yeah. like that. Like it's like you live close enough to it to that. And I call it I call it hood fancy. And uh, hood fancy is uh, feeling way more sophisticated than your geographical location would suggest. <laughs> it's like like hood fancy is scowling at the people from the trailer park that go by your house like it's not the only way to get to the rest of town like you're not only a block away you don't need to go yeah. on 12th street okay hood, hood fancies buying a 12 dollars stick at the store and eating it on a paper plate you know that kind of stuff and like that i've worked into my set and that's kind of one of those things you could put on a t-shirt i haven't yet but uh 
Yeah, it's definitely anything marketable, anything easy and marketable what, that people can remember you by. What would the logo for Hood Fancy be? Would I it know. be like a couch on the front porch with the plastic on it? Right. Or I mean, what? the possibilities are endless, right? It would have to be Maybe like two a sectionals. A sectional on yeah, the front porch. Sectional. Yeah. Right in the corner, so it wraps yeah. around both yeah. ends of the well, porch. That's the thing yeah. is like the gas station there on, on the north end, that's like the eye of the hurricane. And it's like the closer you get, it gets a little bit better. Like everyone's still drinking limeritas, but some of them are pouring them out of the can into a glass when you get to the nicer end. Some of them are coming on four wheels and some of them are coming in on two wheels. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I remember first moving uh, to Mason City, what was it, 12 years ago, I asked, you know, where, where, sh- what part of town should I live in? What part of town shouldn't I live in? And that's what I heard was North End. You know, you, you want to be mindful mm-hmm. of the North End. It's always good to be mindful. I will say... At, in my mid-30s, as someone who's lived in the North End most of my life, I've never never got jumped, never gotten robbed, never feared for my life. So I had one incident um, when uh, I now live on the North End. That's where we're at the, right, yeah. the podcast. So I think I've classed it up the joint. Just yeah, you're on the outskirts, oh, yeah. too. You're yeah. hood fancy as well. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're also hood fa- fancy here. I expected a gated community. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only gate doesn't shut. It's There's something wrong with it. It came that way. But the only, the only sketch moment I've had on the North End is I was going for a walk, and this is years ago, and there was this guy, um, I was kind of just east of Federal, kind of around 9th, if that sure. paints a picture of where I was at. And I'm walking, and there's this guy, and all I can hear is MF this and MF that, and I'm going to kill you. And, I mean, just a bunch of very threatening things. And he's like a block behind me. And so I start zigging and zagging, and I'll take a left here, and I'll take a right there. And that street seems like it's got a street light, so I'm going to walk down that and try and get home. And this guy kept following me and was picking up the pace. And eventually, you know, I just, I moved to the other side of the road. I'm like, I, I don't know what this guy's doing, but he continues to just like verbally be aggressive. He walks by and I can hear Tupac playing out of his <laughs> oh, headphones. Yeah. All he was doing was rapping along yeah. to Tupac. And so I'm like, okay, Joe, don't let the people talk into the <laughs> yeah. North End be in this crazy place. It's just a guy listening to Tupac. Sure, sure. <laughs> Harmless little Tupac is yeah. all. Um, now, get back. I see no changes. <laughs> getting back on track on, on the uh, comedy thing. What, um, what is your I made it moment? Do you have a uh, vision in your head of an I made it moment? Uh, pretty much when you have enough bookings that it pays your bills, uh, that's when you're making it. If you're searching for any sort of, uh, celebrity stardom, you'll never be satisfied. Uh, as long as you can pay your bills and as long as you can go make people laugh. And I think we can do that. We uh, pride ourselves on being able to travel wherever we go. And between the two of us, one of us is going to kill that room. So we always leave the the room happy. If you pay attention to us, we'll make you laugh. I definitely think that for sure, as far as like making it, like we made it would be, you know, that's your job. That's what you do. You don't have to work anywhere else. You do comedy and that pays the bills and that gets, gets it done. Um, I think for me, as far as making it in the way that I actually felt I'm a comedian now, and I didn't feel weird telling people I'm a comedian was after doing my first headliner. Um, I did almost an hour, uh, over in Clear Lake at the Surf District to a, a pretty much sold out room and had them the whole time. And I've, at that point, I felt like, you know, this, I could pretty much go anywhere. In any room that wants to laugh, I'm going to get at least a few laughs right. out of them. I got uh, recognized at Staples. Yes. Uh, Dollar General and Manly. We did a show. We did a big, uh, we did a big show at, a, uh, at a, a place here in town that holds quite a few people. And we, uh, 
like the next the next day like maybe maybe it was a couple of days later but we were getting flyers done up for our next show onto the next one and me and jake at like 11 in the morning are just standing in staples waiting for our prints and this lady comes up and looks and sees both the comedians she'd just seen yeah. standing in staples and goes hey you guys are those comics huh and we went yeah and she went how's that that show and we're like oh great and she goes good for you and then just walked away <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that the best? Well, well I was waiting the, for she starts yelling your punchlines yeah, at you. No, like, the, ah, socks. You. You know? The beauty of it is, was the show that she saw had 170 people in it as an audience, and they were ready to laugh, and we made them laugh, and we videotaped it. And through that videotape, I was able to send that to different uh, establishments, different venues, to, as proof that, you know, this is what we do. We're funny. And it's it got considerably easier to get booked after that. So that's every little show you take little bits and pieces and try to move forward and get be more marketable and and try to get better as comedians too. Um, going from an I made it moment to a I'm bombing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, not not really like you're losing the crowd, but do you ever forget where you're at in a joke or forget where you're at in a set? Has that happened? And how do you deal with it? yes and no it kind of depends on how much time you're doing like i said when you get into those long sets where you're doing like a half hour to an hour i find that and jake kind of taught me this same thing with music is instead of you don't want your jokes written out there and you don't want to be reading but like have like name your bits and have like a set list kind of so you kind of know because there's been times where i try to do it without that and i'll get a couple jokes in i'm like what was i going to do after this and it's not like you can take very long to you know so you just go and you know your jokes then you're kind of just ad-libbing at that point but you might have had a really good flow of a set you wanted to do and then you didn't bring your piece of paper with you so (laughs) and do you do you tape that piece of paper to a speaker like in for people that have never been on stage in a band situation you'll have the set list you know on the monitor speaker at the mm-hmm. front of the stage do you do you tape it there do you put it on the stool is it i put it on the stool stand? a lot because then yeah. i can just do a quick little glance down without looking like i'm really looking at the ground a lot or i'll have my drink there too like i can look like i'm just grabbing a drink and kind of see what i'm going to do next and try to make it look as natural as you can i uh found myself in the not using a list anymore and, I don't uh, too much either, but yeah, but uh, it, it is like Justin said, you can make a really nice uh, set list, and then like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so if you get two two uh, jokes into your set and you're starting, and no, you haven't heard a laugh yet, and so you you automatically try to boil it down to the. Like, okay, well, what can I tell a joke? I just something simple. <laughs> can I tell yeah. a street joke? Can I tell yeah. knock knock jokes? What am I gonna but make it is, it definitely is on the other end of bombing. You know, it's like, yes, we've had a lot of great experiences and gotten a lot of laughs, but we've definitely paid the dues as well. We've been heckled at cancer benefits that we were doing for free. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, yeah. we've done a few shows for uh, a wild turkey preservation society or something like that. I'm close sure that's enough. wrong. It's close enough, but we, we showed up. And uh, they're like, okay, yeah, you're going to do some jokes. And like they're having like a prime rib like buffet, right? And they're like, you guys should eat first so that um, once you're done eating, you can start the show. And we're like, okay. So yeah, we, grab, yeah, okay. we grab our steaks and we sit down. And then they get on the two bites system. into the steak, the guy running the show gets up on stage and just goes, the comedians are eating. The comedians are eating. And then points at us. Yeah. And we're yeah. like hmm and like the rest of them started getting pissed because they couldn't eat like they're like well, when do we get to eat so fast forward a few minutes jake's up on stage doing his set and 
right as he starts his first joke, he's like, okay, tables one through three, go ahead and go to get your oh, food. Yeah. So they're all getting their food while he's doing his jokes. I'm telling jokes in front of anybody that has their plates. And I'm sitting on the side of the stage with just my head in my hands thinking, like, I have to go after yeah. this. Like, yeah. I'm, this is like, he has to get through this, and then I have to do it. Are you getting laughter while they're eating? No. Or, or are oh, people, none. like, kind of chuckling? You're, knives because tinging. You're no. hearing silverware more than you're hearing. The only anything. pop Jake got was like, hey, that steak was pretty good, huh? And a couple people went, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. But did they enjoy it? No. Oh, okay. Probably not. But here's the funny <laughs> no. thing. And then after that, for no more they pay, they're like, we, we have about 45 it. items that we want to auction off. And we go, okay. Oh, goodness. You guys ever auctioneered? And we're like, no. Okay, well, you're going to tonight. There's good we, money in auctioneering. It wasn't yeah. that night. Oh. <laughs> there, wasn't. Yeah. there was bad money in auctioneering. That. <laughs> so we've seen and done, you know, like we, we, we earn those good nights for sure. So that's one of the worst experiences or, or, or unfortunate experiences. Yeah. What's yeah. one of the best ones that you've had as wolf dogs out on the road somewhere? Um, or in town on the road there, somewhere? There's, every once in a while you run into a situation where you'll go to a place that has their promotion done right. And you'll show up to a place that's completely full. We had a venue a month ago that messaged us, hey, just to let you know, we've, we're sold out. A week before the show. Nice. Yeah. So we show up 20 minutes before the show is supposed to start because it takes literally four minutes to set up the PA system. So we show up and we were a little late. Show up, the whole crowd is just sitting there staring at the stage with nothing on it. <laughs> and then we get in there and... and and within 15 minutes of pulling in, Justin is telling his first joke, and we're off and running. I mean, it's... And they were great. And, Everybody and they was laughed laughing. from the beginning to the end. That so. was a really good one. I think for me, uh, this last uh, fall, not the one that just happened, but 2017, uh, we did a campground in the Lake Mills area. And when, like you said, you did a campground show with us. You don't know what you're going to get. You, and we thought, campground in October? Who's going to be left? And uh, we, went to, uh, we went and like, so we yeah. took these gravel roads and it was a rainy night and we pull in and it's like a really like rich people campground, like the cheapest campers, like, you know, well, they more than any of our houses cost. They were around a man-made lake. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, oh, Lake Mills. Yes. yes. Happy time. I've been there. Happy I've been time. there. I, um, speaking yeah. of auctioneering, I, uh, not to interrupt your no, story. No, no. Sorry. I'm like, I know yeah. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I did. I emceed a, a Hawaiian night for, okay. uh, for a company there. So did you right. see their big room with the bar and all the woodwork and oh, stuff yeah. and all yeah. the, the yeah. rock work? So that's where they had us. We show up and it just looks like a big tin shed. And we're like, oh, this ought to be great. And we get there and we walk in and there's like 60 to 100 people in there. And the stage is huge, gigantic stage at the end of the room. And uh, we got in, we set everything up. People were talking to us before the show, telling us dirty jokes. So we knew we could do whatever yeah. we wanted to do. <laughs> we had free and reign. The, the craziest part was the best. I mean, it was great because they laughed super hard at everything we did. But the best part was right before the show started. They lowered the lights and everyone cheered like they were at a ACDC concert. It was like, wow. it was like the coolest. Like me and Jake are like we've never felt cooler ever doing we got comedy. Applause than we did. and yeah. cheers. And we and hadn't even done anything stuff. yet. And I was like, this is going to be yeah. so great. And we got. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they like our weird jokes. Uh, and they did. So did you do an encore? Is there such a thing as doing an encore? I think we could. So there, a lot of comedians, if it's going super well, sometimes we'll do a Q and A, see where oh. it goes. You okay. know, like work with the crowd a little bit. Um, we've done that a few times. Um, Surprisingly, we don't get a yeah. lot of a lot yeah, of just, feedback from them. So there's the, only the so cool far thing you can is go. when, as a comedian, especially when you're going into an unknown situation, you can just keep going. Okay, you sure. know, and you know, and you got them. And especially most people like, don't complain about getting more entertainment no, for their dollars. Uh -huh. So 
Well, you and know. if you're having fun right. and you've already gotten paid. Yeah. Right. And then on the other right. end of it, sometimes you know to stop a little early when things aren't going so yeah. well. Are hecklers a thing still? I mean, I feel like you you, um, you watch the old comedy clips we started yeah. talking about Comedy Central and didn't really see it on the HBO specials, but right. you know, people are like, oh, you suck. You know, Does that happen? Uh, more so what happens is people, you'll have like the Flavor Flav hype man in the crowd. Where you'll tell a joke and you're like, they'll just yell out, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're like, yeah. <laughs> usually people not realizing it's not a participation right. sport. Uh, they mean well, but you've usually had a few too many drinks or something. Yeah. Or, we've never been it's aggressively attacked. not but mean-spirited. It's just like... People just don't know. And you got to find a way to check them without... And then that's the thing is you know there's levels of it where you can be like hey you know the rest of the people pay to get in the show can you chill out and if they don't then you can light them up like a Christmas tree you know and, and sometimes yeah. that's fun sometimes you end up adding 15 minutes to your set because you're just roasting the crap there, out of this person that wouldn't stop talking as personal traveling. experience you've done this I've had to go at a few people nothing too crazy I've been really we've been really lucky now you've got kind way. of an intimidating physical right. presence. Yeah. Did you worry about after the show? Like, here's this guy. I'm just saying words, you know, whatever. I'm just trying right. to get this guy to shut up. But, like, maybe he is waiting for me outside? Luckily, we haven't had any anything get that crazy on us. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it's like we're me we're, and Jake are both, like, pretty big guys. But we're, we're also like, very mindful that we're coming into a situation where it's not a comedy club. So it's their crowd. We don't this wanna, is their bar. This is their mm -hmm. bar, their crowd. We don't want to antagonize their people in their bar. If you can find a way to make them stop and still have them like yeah. you, and stay. then you won. Because yeah. the, they're going to come back the next Tuesday night and drink. You know, So the you, you want them to, to everybody to be happy. You don't want to antagonize we them. Did a show, we did a show not too long ago at a bar that just wasn't there for comedy, and they were just talking and talking. And I got to the point where – and I, I was first. And I got to the point where uh, – there was this table that just had their back to me and they were all talking. I was like, guys, guys. And I'm on a microphone and they can't hear me. And there's one lady looking at me. I was like, you want to get your buddies? And they all turn around. I was like, guys, I have one more joke. I was like, please listen to it. I go, if it doesn't make you laugh, you can talk through Jake's whole set. <laughs> yeah. Jake's like, what there? What are you doing? And the thing is, is they didn't keep their end of the deal because they did laugh, but then they did talk through Jake's whole set. So I don't know. One of the best uh, things I ever heard when, when somebody was, you know, you had that that talking going on, you know, this other stuff besides paying attention to the comedians. And I forget who it was. They're like, I already have your money. So you mm -hmm. sure, have yourself yeah. a party. Sure, I really yeah. don't care what you yeah. guys In those do. instances, sometimes you got to think that way. But it's interesting because it's the only form of entertainment where people think that that's okay. Like you would never go to the the ballet and trip the dancers when they were doing their dances or yeah. you would never show up to your favorite band show with a guitar and when the solo came you're like i got it dude don't worry like yeah, stage you know it's roll. just like it just yeah. doesn't make any but but people think that they need to talk to you during your comedy set sometimes and, and then you show up and you and sometimes the places that we show up to are very nice and sometimes it's a really super dive bar-y where uh, there's places where there's um uh bathrooms on stage what we've done it like porta so, bodies? No. no like the doors to like the stage is like at the end of the yeah. room and it's, it's set back and then the doors to the the bathroom are like stage yeah. right so they have to walk up past you to go to the bathroom oh it's not God. a great setup yeah we won't mention where it is but there's also a place that we went and did comedy in southern <laughs> iowa that you're pretty much standing on a milk crate of a stage yes uh smaller than 
maybe two of these tables yeah. here. So like maybe like three I by think three, like maybe a steampunk band would have a hard time getting their kick drum <laughs> up there to get going on it. When it comes to comedy, is there uh, certain topics you won't touch? Certain things that you won't go near? I uh, have my own political beliefs, but I don't read enough to know that they're accurate. So I try, me personally, I try to leave politics out of it because I think why divide the room in half automatically? Me too. I, 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 there's so many people doing political humor, and it's such a, it's such a divide now that like you might get some people to laugh, but that's when you get into that kind of stuff. That's when you get people that start to be like you suck yeah. or things oh, like. Yeah. And we've seen it. We've seen guys do political stuff where someone drunk it's doesn't agree not with them. A good idea. Um, I also, you know, things like. We're smart enough guys to know the real, real hot button stuff. We like to push the envelope a little bit, but I think everyone secretly does. You know, every bank teller, librarian, whoever that's spending their money on a weekend to come watch a comedy show is, you know, I think they want to hear stuff that they're not hearing at work all week. And and I think that's part of why you come, you know, to, to let loose and be a little crazier than, or at least be willing to listen to a little crazier than, than you normally would be on a random weekday, but... Well, I, a couple of times that I've done um, open mics with you guys, um, I've touched briefly on some political kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too bad, was it? No, no, well, not at all. Because it's not like I'm giving my opinions. I'm just right. using that as a and tool to tell a joke. Yeah, I think it's when you get, you make a very intense opinion and go at one side or the other, I think is when you run the risk of, and you know, there is a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of funny things to be said about American politics because it's, it is. It's a cartoon show, but I I think we, me personally, I got enough other stuff to talk about that I don't have to take. That I, risk I also feel like, um, like when I'm on like Facebook, I, there's never been one picture, one post that's been like, oh, you know what, that changes my mind completely. <laughs> you know what I did one day, not to interrupt you here, no, but um, I went through and any time a political post showed up, I blocked that person. Nice. For 30 days. Because you got the 30-day option. Sure. It was so nice just seeing recipes again. Yeah, right? Like, it was and unbe- puppies. And- yeah, <laughs> recipes and puppies and, you know, somebody whose life sucks and needs a ride to work, yeah. you know, that that yeah. whole sort of thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. why don't you call someone? Yeah, and there's a person <laughs> yeah. that put, posts pictures all the time, like, here's my kids in front of Arby's. <laughs> you ever have yeah. those situations where you see people post their kids pictures of their kids so much but you've never met their kids and then you see them in public and you're like whoa like you feel like you know them like you've been like oh yeah oh yeah like, no I w- you don't I- know me but i've seen a lot of your pictures <laughs> i was at the dentist you don't really today. want to say that to too many people <laughs> i was at the- <laughs> i was at the dentist today and um i uh my technician i don't even know the name uh the gal that was cleaning my teeth was like oh so your daughter's getting ready for preschool and i'm like i don't remember telling you that oh yeah i said that on the radio didn't i oh man yeah i imagine yeah, you get was, it on a whole yeah, other sure. level yeah i'm like oh my goodness i mean do you ever have that happen where you're riffing uh, on something and it's not like a written joke and you just say something and somebody references it weeks later to you and you're like i have no idea what I, you're talking about i have about. a fun story about that so my kids uh, go to uh, uh, central spring school and uh, they have a PTO carnival, and I showed up, and I was uh, volunteered to help out with the bouncy house because that seemed to be the cushiest spot to be. Sit. Yeah, yeah. you just sit. Right. And the kids get tired. One of them gets knocked out. You just have them, like everybody out. You know, you pull them out, put the smelling salts on them, hand them back to their parents, <laughs> and the next crop of kids jump in. So I show up, and this kid's like, this guy's like, hey, that's him. And, I, and I'm like, oh, God, what is this going to be? 
and they started i i wrote one song that i sung on stage and it's a, a kind of a dirty dirty filthy bit of a song and he started singing it at the pto yeah i was we were in the gym and they're all these you know this pto they're doing cake walks <laughs> they're having like the kids with the fake fishing poles catching fake fish over over the curtain yeah, yeah. uh-huh <laughs> With the paper That's clip. going on. Yeah. This guy's yelling for bingo in an hour. Yelling filthy lyrics, and he—he's the type of guy. He's like, oh, and he thought he had my shirt on because he bought one of my t-shirts. He's like, oh, I thought I had. Oh, I thought I had it on. It's one of those guys that doesn't remember what t-shirt he's wearing. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what t-shirt you're wearing? No, but I bet you it's just this one solid color from Walmart. <laughs> Chances are, I'm pretty. Persistent. I'm gonna go with gray. Let's see, what is gray? it? Because you got a hoodie on. Oh, Green. no, I was so far off. Green. I got uh, the Super Bowl shuffle. The Bears. Bears. What are oh, see, I got kind of a funny yeah. shirt on. Yeah, you do. I remember seeing yeah. that in Des Moines at the... Reagan. Um, Reagan. Is that where you got yeah, it? That's yeah, that's where I got yeah. it. Yeah. I, brought, I was so proud of this that's shirt. It's a fun neighborhood. It's uh, um, Clear Lake, the Hamptons of Mason City. <laughs> and everybody at work's like, yeah, I've seen that before. I'm like, okay. I still think it's a cool <laughs> it's shirt. It's still right, funny. Right. Yeah, it's still funny. It's 100% cotton. It's I like still that. true. Probably a Clear Lake person that said Ray that. Gun, like now, to be made fun of over there. Uh, did you go to Zombie Burger? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Zombie Burger, Taco Apocalypse. That's have not that's been to Down. Oh, that's right down there. Comedy too. has brought me to Zombie Burger because I the, did that. The only time I've ever been to Zombie Burger was with this guy, and we were down in the Des Moines area because we had we're doing a weekends where the shows, and we had a little time during the day. And he's like, we are going to Zombie Burger, and that's that. And we're like, cool. And we got down there, and they were busy. And, like, you know, you've been, so you know yeah. how it is. This is the first time we get in there. They're like, oh, it's about, you know, half hour, 40-minute wait. And they take your number, and they text you. And as long as you're back within, like, 10 minutes, they keep your table. And he's like, well, we don't have to eat here. I'm like, no, we, we do. do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. So we went and played a few video games. They text me. We ran back around the corner, and he was like, you're right. We needed to eat here. <laughs> you're right. Did you get the better off, Chad? Uh, the macaroni and cheeseburger. Did yep. one of us get it that day? I guess what I got. Is that what you got? Yep. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, oh, I've had that so one. Good. Yeah. That and the poutine. Mm. Oh my goodness, man! It, I it gotta was... look at my phone. When am I going to Des Moines again? <laughs> we should probably have. We should. It was okay. Uh, we're gonna end this and go. <laughs> we're gonna jump in the car. There was a point breakfast. in the and we we're eating, and there was uh, end of the five month. of us. Yes, and nobody was talking. That's how good it was. <laughs> nobody was talking. You get you get two comedians. Or five comedians. Three yeah, comedians and two wives. Three comedians. Yeah. Who, who was the single person? Clemens. Uh, Jason uh, Clemens. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I don't own that well. I don't <laughs> yeah. allowed to throw it does, shade though. like no, that. No, absolutely you can. Oh, <laughs> so if somebody, uh, you know, you, you guys have been good, um, you know, with kind of uh, telling me what's good, what's not good yeah. with, with stand-up. If somebody is curious, you know, we, we've talked a couple of times about, uh, you know, you're, you're, oh, you're funny. You should be a comedian. Da, 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 da. Um, what what should somebody do? I mean, should they write down jokes? Do they show up blindly to an open mic? I mean, what's what's a good first step for I, someone? I think what what I would suggest is uh, going to an open mic, and that way you know kind of what to expect. And when you know what to expect, you can kind of okay, I'm comfortable with that. If I go home and write two or three jokes, I know the whole crowd is going to be supportive. This is an open mic. There's, yeah, we would know. Not... That's the thing about our open mic, too, is like we're very, very like no one should ever fear being made fun of oh, for no, trying comedy nope. or anything like that. Because even if, even if no one expects you to be funny your first time, if you are, awesome. But if you're not, no one, you know, no one's going to boo you or anything. You've been lots of times, you know, yeah. you know, you know the atmosphere. You've but seen uh, a I lot. think 
of different. That, yeah. Well, I know personally, nights that I bond, I go to bed a lot earlier than nights where I do good. <laughs> you stay up thinking about it, right? Well, well yeah, yeah. I'm, you're just jazzed. It's like, oh, yeah. like, oh my goodness, oh, yeah. I got all this 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 endorphins coming yep. through my veins right now, yeah. and I got to be to work at 4 a.m. Like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> That's what's awesome about uh, road trips, you know, especially if you got like more than one show or you got a long drive where you know, sometimes you do a show, like we did a show about four hours from home. And a girl I went to high school with had relocated there by coincidence. And if she hadn't, no one would have been there. It was her and her <laughs> husband, and that was it. And, uh, you know, that's a long drive home, licking your wounds, you know, rethinking every choice you've ever made. But then when you have a killer show, it's just you're driving home, and a two-, three-hour drive feels like ten minutes because you're just like, man, yeah. that was so great when you said that one thing, and yeah. then you were and great, too. Everybody and laughed. Then, oh, yeah. man, they wanted pictures with us. Yeah. That place he was talking about that we sold out, when we left, we grabbed all our gear, and we were on our way out. They all stood up, and we got a, a standing O as we left. <laughs> like wow. The show had been over for an hour. and yeah. You almost need somebody uh, to put a cape on you as you right. walk off the stage and that was another thing where she uh yeah. we you know we try to be humble in the way that you know obviously it's we're trying to make a living doing this and it's definitely an art form that um we definitely charge for but it's hard to put a price on yourself you know what i mean so when oh, people yeah. are like what do you charge you never know if like what you ask for is going to be offensively too much even though it doesn't seem like it to you um but this same show afterwards she came up to me the lady who booked us and she's like listen we got to have you guys back but and then she's she's like the money that i paid you and i thought she was going to say i need to was pay you too less. much and yeah. she's like you need to come back for way more money and i was like oh well i'm not going to argue with you about that at all so so I'm, that doesn't happen very often but it's definitely a compliment to be told you're worth and more than you're charging we we've seen through other comedians that have gone the route that we're going that have done it a lot longer what they do is uh, a lot of times, if you've been a comedian for 20 years plus, you rarely do shows in your own town. People oh, are tired yeah. of seeing you. Mm -hmm. So the further you go out, we know a comedian that collects spots all over. I mean, just the Midwest. He goes to Michigan. He goes to Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Missouri, Kentucky. He has like about 50 different venues that he goes to once or twice a year. And that way, his Fridays and Saturday nights Every are full. Every weekend, he's doing 50. sold out shows. Yeah, and he'll go to bowling places alleys, that are, bars that that can handle more places and more seats than comedy clubs. And is he holding down a full time job? No, this is it. That that's his job. I think this he's about it. twenty years in now, and that's all he does now. Yeah. And he just works weekends. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Drives himself there. Yeah. Drives himself. Yeah. Uh, has, Sometimes he'll bring one or two people. It's like. Him. Uh, he, it's almost like when you go to see those uh, uh, ethnic parades in the cities and they're selling all those different trinkets and things, he opens up like it's a swap meet. He's got all this stuff <laughs> in his cells. It's amazing. But that's where I think we want to end up. You know, I think that's our lane. Selling is, stuff out of your is, uh, Absolutely, yeah, yes. Absolutely. yes. If, we, if we can. <laughs> but just, just you, you know, staying busy and doing, you know, shows in front of salt of the earth people that – you know, we'll take our licks when we get them. But I think, you know, he's 20 years in. We're three years in. I think a lot of the comedians we've had the privilege to work with that have been doing it a long time have all told us, you're doing it right. Keep doing it. Keep getting funnier. Just keep plugging away. And I think in just a couple of years, we've really made some strides. We've essentially built a comedy scene in North Iowa from the ground up. Um, there's, aside from the three of us, I can, you know, count a handful of other guys that deserve to call themselves comics. They're working. They're they're doing shows. Um, and I think that's really cool that um, you, you, you're part of this this effort to get comedy going. Yeah. Because when I first moved here back in um, the 
late 2000s, 2010s, there was a pretty good music scene going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there were places to play. There were bands to go see, and not just cover bands, but like live, original, sure. before the Rose Bowl right. burnt down. You, you, you were going to go see right. something you couldn't see anywhere yeah, else. I was lucky there. enough to be a big part of what, that, that you're talking and, about. Yeah. And then there was this lull from when that went away, like 2012-ish or something like that, till you know, here, 2016, 17, 18, 19. So, I mean, I, I think it's neat that there's there's this thing here and it's, you know, developing a following. I'm seeing some familiar faces sure. at the mm-hmm. different shows, which is cool to see. I think in, a, in two years, and sorry, I mean, bug interrupt you there, Jake, but I think in two years' time, it went from a niche thing that maybe would happen in North Iowa every couple of years, maybe a coming union would come through somewhere. To now it's a regular viable source of entertainment that people can come out and see at least once a month. There's a good comedy show taking place. And they can plan on it. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lady, uh, Deb. She's from the Sheffield area. And uh, she goes to all of our shows. Shout out to Deb. She comes to any show. And she's hosted us. She's like paid a bar to have us come to that bar. She sponsored us, so to speak. In Mm -hmm. the radio business, we call that a P1. Nice. A primary listener. Yeah. Nice. Yes. She, a P1. she is absolutely a P1. She is, uh, like she calls herself, a groper. <laughs> <laughs> Not a groupie. She hasn't groper. made good on that yet, but luckily, no. but. No. <laughs> no, well, she's really sweet, though. Since this is the first episode of uh, the What Do You Do podcast, again, we've been talking with Jake Peterson, Justin Paulson. Um, your opinions, uh, a social shout out, does that sound lame to have a, 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 to frame that, or should I just ask you for how people follow you on stuff oh no no yeah does that sound good social yeah shout we out? gladly yeah. shamelessly plug ourselves that's okay. not a problem but at i all. mean should i use that again in the future i'm talking yeah. about me right now yeah you okay. yeah you copyright that <laughs> you always got to make it about you justin <laughs> yeah no i think so i think jump on that before someone else gets the paperwork going. okay yeah. social shout outs how do we uh, get hit up with uh, wolf dogs comedy there's a wolf dogs comedy on facebook we have the page otherwise jake peterson uh, on facebook i'm also on instagram and starting off on twitter Still trying to figure that out. I'm old. To the, I'm 40 years old, Joe. I, Dude, Twitter. I was on that watching football the other night, and I was just trying to like get reaction to how horrible yeah. the officiating was. Oh. Next thing you know, I'm watching Tommy Laren getting into a fight with Cardi B. <laughs> this is like that's a joke, but it's actually something that happened Sunday night on <laughs> yeah. Twitter, and I had to put my phone down because I'm like, this. That's yeah. see, I don't get yourself. deep enough to get to see the Twitter fights. I hear about it, but I, as far as I go, it's again Wolf Dog Comedy on Facebook. Otherwise, Justin Paulson comedian on facebook um i'm on twitter at justin paulson jokes um wolf dogs comedy sorry wolf dog comedy at gmail.com if you want to email us old school style um uh yeah and then uh i'm trying to see if i have you did i like your page yet i hope so it's gonna be weird if you didn't comedian yeah, I liked it. Oh, good. good. Oh, okay, yeah. good. I can skip that awkwardness. Good. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you like my posts? What's going on here, buddy? <laughs> I don't see your presence on my page ever. Oh, is this is this the uh, is this the show you're talking about with the 170 people? Same room, different show, but Same yeah, room, different yep, show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look like you're walking off stage from a uh, um, round of a. A yeah, standing round I'm, of applause. It's, it's funny because I'm walking onto stage and I'm already sweaty with a towel. And <laughs> yeah. Six hadn't even, drinks. Hadn't even begun yet. If you remember Bobcat Goldthwaite doing comedy, how sweaty he used to get, that's like how he gets. It's a pure uh, art. <laughs> the cannon lights the can art be brutal. The art just drives man. him. The art just it's drives true, him. yeah. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in and talking oh, about a, uh, what you do. Thanks for having us. Jake Not Peterson. inaugural episode, we feel honored. Yeah, number one. Number one. Zero, 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 one. You, you got like to be odd to be number one when we do things. We like to be uh, trendsetters. Tell them uh, about the subway. Oh, yeah, I had the very last subway sandwich ever at the mall. What? Yep, they shut the, on the last day. I got mine, and then they shut the gate. Are you serious? Dead serious. And man. you were there to get specifically the last sandwich. Yeah, we did it on purpose. <laughs> did, you, did you let other people go in front of you? There was no one still there. It was oh a totally empty mall. It was just me and my wife, and they were getting almost getting ready to shut down. Yeah, we had a uh, had myself a club, had bacon, and uh, they need. They End need of an to era. Turn that food court into like an ethnic food court, and I mean, yeah. it, yes. it, it kind of was. Yes. You had Mr. Yeah. Churro, which ain't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Mr. Taco, you got the sushi joint. Yeah. They had uh, the submarine going on there. They you know bring yeah. in um, Russian. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's, maybe it's because it's it's my lineage, but uh, I think we need a good Greek place. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Euro Hut's not bad. And, you know, there's a few restaurants that do stuff, but like a quick, really good Greek place that'd be awesome. I don't think people. A lot of people realize how good Greek food is. That's good. Like, Very good. You never been to the Greek fest? That's like, I've that's never had better chicken. Out. I've never had better right? chicken than yeah. Greek chicken. Yeah. Flaming cheese. Yeah, dude. Flaming cheese. Enough said. Saganaki. <laughs> yep. I, exactly. I have all their albums. I have all their albums. Oh, that's great stuff. Flaming cheese. It is the What Do You Do podcast. I'm Joe Malone. Thanks for listening.